This podcast is recorded live during my weekly Zoom virtual healing circles. Be sure to stick around to the end of the episode to learn more about how you can join me for these live virtual events. Welcome to the Virtual Healing Circle with me, Jen Fable of LiveLifeUnbroken.com. And tonight I want to talk to you about the language of spellcasting, which is a really fancy way of saying how to start to use the words that you use in your everyday life to start to change your perception of reality. So why is this important? Why would you want to know how to cast spells? This is important because your words are how you formulate your intention. Your intention is 50% of everything. Just showing up is a huge part of the process of change and of growth and of healing. And it is our words. It is the language that we use that allows us to formulate our intention. This is all about knowing in what direction are we headed. And so if we are not using our words carefully, then our intention is going to be a little bit skewed. Every word that you speak, whether it's out loud or in your head, is considered to be a hypnotic suggestion to your unconscious mind, which means you are constantly hypnotizing yourself. The question is, are you hypnotizing yourself for your empowerment, for your highest potential, or are you hypnotizing yourself to believe that you're terrible and not good enough? Your words, your intention form the basis of how you feel and what you believe about yourself. And so if we're making it up anyways, why not make it up better? So you'll remember that you exist on four realms. You have your physical self on the physical realm. That's everything that you can experience with your five senses. So everything you can see, smell, taste, touch, and hear is part of the physical realm. You have the emotional realm. This is the part of you that is connected to the part of the psyche known as the unconscious mind. This is where your emotions live. This is where your memories live. This is how you connect to that inner spark and inner wisdom. And it's also where we like to hide all the crap about ourselves we don't want to deal with. (laughs) Yay, because the universe is hilarious. We have the mental realm. This is attached to the part of our psyche known as the conscious mind. This is your thinky, thinky self. This is everything that's in your awareness. This is where language lives. This is the part of you that labels your experience. And that's the part we're going to go deeper with tonight. And of course, then there's the spiritual realm that's connected to your higher self. That's the love and the light, the energy and all the fun stuff around us that we use our words to pull to us. Remember that all the things that you want all the new stuff, all the things you want to manifest into your existence exist first on the spiritual realm. They're ideas, they're hopes, they're dreams. There's nothing tangible yet. They haven't quite made it into you, but they exist out in this cloud around us. And our goal as part of manifestation, a part of growth and healing is to pull something from the world of ideas into the physical reality so that we can have it, so we can touch it, so we can feel it, so we can know it. In order to get it there, it has to go through the bridge. It has to move through your mental self and your emotional self. And we've talked a lot about the emotional self. But tonight I want to talk about the mental realm conscious mind awareness. Because even though this part of us makes up a very small percentage of our reality, it's a very important part of our reality. So I want to remind you that at the end of the day, when it comes to any kind of growth or change or healing, all you really need are the three eyes. You need to set your intention. You need to use your imagination to fuel that intention, and then you want to follow your intuition. Now, your intention is pure conscious mind. 
It is pure mental realm thinky thinky self. It is the part of you that takes the idea and formulates it into a sentence, into words, into something that makes sense to you. Otherwise, just a big cloud of potential, which is awesome, but we need to start to pull it to us. And so it's the intention that I really want to focus on because that's where our language starts to come in. So I talk about spellcasting. What is that? So in a nutshell, spellcasting is the science of using your language to create deep and meaningful changes in your life. Now, if you do this as part of a ceremony or a ritual or as part of a spiritual practice, we call it spellcasting. But when you use it in your daily life, we call it neuro-linguistic programming or NLP. And the reason I like to use spellcasting instead of neuro-linguistic programming is because spellcasting sounds so much more fun and neuro-linguistic programming is cumbersome to say and the most unmarkable sentence in the world and like you fall asleep halfway through saying it. But the intention behind it, how it works is brilliant and it is what creates the structure for spellcasting. In fact, the very first books on neuro-linguistic programming or NLP, which was put together by Richard Bandler and John Grinder, the very first books on it were called The Structure of Magic. It's about using language to create meaningful change in your life. So if we break it down, neuro, this relates to the nervous system. This is where your behavior, your thoughts, your feelings, state of your bodies, that's where all that resides. Linguistic, this is referring to the fact that it's your language that enables you to internally store information and then share it with others, right? We all have our internal experience. How do you let someone else know about what's going on inside of you? You use your words, you use language. How do you encode information from outside of you so that it makes sense to you? You use your words, you use your language. Your words, your language, the what you say to yourself in your head, the story you tell yourself creates your reality more so than actual reality. And then, of course, programming, this is the ability to change behavior patterns and feelings in a way to make them constructive, to make them useful, to make them empowering. Because again, if we're making it up anyways, why not make it up fun? So neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, is the idea that you can use language to start to access and reprogram the part of the brain that filters information. We've talked about this in past circles. It's called the reticular activating system. It is the consciousness sentinel. It sits in the brainstem, and that's where all the incoming data from all of your senses filters to and through, and then you get your own personal experience. So this is another way to look at it. So you've got the outer world. That's where the input comes in. That's the world of subatomic particles. That's the world of light and sound. That's where everything comes into your five senses. You've got the first place that information goes to is the neuro, the part of the brain, the reticular activating system, the part of the brain that now filters all that information. Because we've got about 20 million bits of data coming in through our input channels at all times. But our actual human neurology is really only capable of about 134 bits at a time. And so the first stop as that stuff comes in is to go through our neurology to filter a bunch of stuff out. Anything that isn't important to us or isn't meaningful to us already gets bounced, right? Like for instance, the sensation right now of your hair on your head, if you were to tune into that sensation, you could probably notice the sensation of your hair on your head and that's been there the whole time. But you don't really need to pay attention to that. So most of the time it gets filtered out because it's not important. Then we have the linguistic part. This is the map. This is how we use our conscious mind, mental realm self to label and sort the information that makes it through. And then we have the output. This is our behavioral response. This is what we actually do, our beliefs and our actions. And that's part of the programming. So why is this important? 
because at the end of the day, your brain and your body cannot tell the difference between something that is real or imagined. This is why when you remember something from the past, you feel as if it's still happening. You feel the emotions of it. And when that happens, your body doesn't know that it's pretending. And the best way to experience this, if you want to play along, is if you were to close your eyes right now, and if you were to imagine yourself in your kitchen, and you go over to your fridge, and you open the fridge, and inside is this beautiful ripe lemon. And if you allow yourself to imagine taking that lemon and safely cutting it in half, and you can smell the aroma of that lemon, and then I want you to imagine actually picking it up and taking a big bite of that lemon. And notice what happens in your body. For those of you who I can see in circle, I can see some of your nose wrinkling and you're probably salivating more. Your body released extra saliva in anticipation of eating a lemon that doesn't exist outside of your mind. Your body responds as if it's real. And so when we use our imagination and we use it to fuel an intention, we create actual biological changes in our body. You can change your biology. You can change your neurocircuitry, your chemistry, your hormones, your gene expression. All of these things by changing how you interpret the world around you and how you label it. Because at the end of the day, your body is listening to every single thing you think. It's listening to every single thing you say, and it takes it literally. You do not have a mechanism that understands sarcasm. So when you joke around and call yourself an idiot, even though you're not meaning to say it, your body believes you. And it will respond as if you are taking a bite of that actual lemon. So the reason spell casting works is because you can literally use words to create physiological shifts in your body. So I promise you that there are five words you can start to shift in your life to start to create magic and cast spells in your daily life. Because it's all well and good to have these rituals and light candles and I'm all for all that fun movie stuff because it's awesome. Who doesn't love to play with energy? But if you then spend the rest of your day telling yourself that you suck, then you're probably not going to get very far. And so while changing that running commentary in your head that is negative from negative to positive takes some extra shifts, these are five words that you can start to change in your daily life immediately and start to create some really profound ripples of change in your life. Should, yet, try, and, and but. And we're going to go through these one by one. So the word should. The word should sucks because it, it tempts to use shame to motivate you. Using the word should automatically puts you in a comparison place with other people. It creates an empowered dynamic where you're on the losing side. When you talk about what you should, I should go to the mall. I should exercise. I should eat better. It automatically takes your needs, your wants, and your desires out of the equation. And so instead of saying, I should do something, stop and ask, do I want this? And be honest with yourself. So many people, especially this time of year, are contacting me about, oh, I'm not motivated. I should be doing this and I can't seem to motivate myself. I'm like, okay, well, do you want to? Because if everywhere in your life you're doing things because you should and not a single thing on your to-do list is because it actually lights up your soul, then you're going to get yourself into a lot of hot water. So the first word you need to adjust is the word should. And instead, ask yourself if it's something you want, if it's something you desire. And if it is, great. If it's not, adjust. Or at least have other places in your life where you're doing things that do light up your soul. The word yet. This is a word you want to add into your vocabulary. It's great because it opens up possibility. 
it keeps the energy flowing and it programs your reticular activating system. It programs your mind to look for opportunity. If I say, I can't play baseball, that's kind of like, it cuts off the energy. I can't play baseball. It just ends there. It's a fact. I have said it. Nothing else will ever change. But if I say, I can't play baseball yet, that acknowledges the fact that this is a journey that while I may not have the skill at this moment, that doesn't mean that it's out of reach for me. And so adding the word in yet to any sentence opens up possibility. It opens up the energy so that opportunities can flow in. But the word but should be banished from your vocabulary unless you are talking about the one that you are sitting on. The word but is fairly useless in all areas. So why does this word suck? It sucks because one, it cuts off the first part of the sentence. Whatever you say before the word but, the other person and your own unconscious mind doesn't hear, doesn't care about, assumes it's unimportant. When you use this word, it can come across to the other person as pandering. I appreciate what you're saying, but is a fancy way of saying, shut up, it's my turn to talk. <laughs> right? And the other person gets that whether they know it or not at the conscious level. And the word but is how we keep ourselves stuck. Oh my goodness, we are so good at yabutting ourselves. <laughs> see a lot of heads nodding in circle right this one is the worst i want to do this but i need to go over here but i love i would love a massage but when we use the word but what we're basically saying is this is never going to happen give it up and so the word but is just useless what you want to do instead is replace it with word number four which is the word and the word and connects thoughts. It prevents you from getting into this either or. Either I do this or I do that. It opens up possibility and it removes conditions. If you say to someone, I love you, but you are unconsciously indicating that your love is conditional. When I say I love you and, it means that my love for you continues regardless of your actions. And I still want to talk about this. So the word and removes the conditions that we oftentimes inadvertently apply when we don't mean to. But that's what the word but does. And so anywhere in your vocabulary, if you can replace it with the word and, you will notice a great change in your energy and how you interact with the people around you. And number five, the word try. Oh, does my inner hypnosis self love this one? Do you know that in hypnosis, when I am hypnotizing someone, if I don't want them to do something, I will use the word try. Because try presupposes failure. When I run my classes in the real three-dimensional world, I will do a little experiment. Well, I will go up to someone, I will say, here, try to take my pen, and I will offer them my pen. And inevitably, the person will take the pen in their hand, and they will take it to themselves. And they will say, well, no, you took the pen. I want you to try to take the pen. And they give the pen back to me, and then they will just hold on to the pen not doing anything. And now we're both holding the pen. I'm like, well, now you're not taking the pen. But I want you to try to take the pen. And after a few little confused looks, they eventually realize that try doesn't actually exist. It's very Yoda-esque. Do or do not, there is no try. That is true. You can't actually try. You either do something or you don't do something. So when we say try, what we really mean is, meh, I don't really care that much about it. So I'm not going to really delegate any inner resources to it. If it happens to magically happen, great. If not, meh. 
And so when we use the word try, we are presupposing our own failure and we are limiting the amount of resources that our neurology is going to allocate for that task. And now I'm going to give you one more word. This is a bonus word and this is the word why. This one is useless. I talk about this all the time. The question why or the word why is automatically almost 100% of the time, let's say nine times out of 10, when you ask why, the answer is, I don't know. Whether you're asking the question of someone else or ourselves, when you say, well, why did you do that? We are acting on autopilot so much of the time, most of us don't know why we do anything or why we can't do something. If we knew the answers, we probably would have solved it by now. And so asking why assumes that by focusing on the problem, you will find the solution. But if you've ever studied law of attraction, you know that whatever you focus on grows. And so if you are focusing all your attention on the problem, you will only have more problem. So instead, changing the two, what has this come to teach me about me? So instead of why am I angry, what does this anger come to teach me about me? Why am I frustrated? What does this frustration come to teach me about me? When you start to remove why from your vocabulary, you open up space to start to find actual solutions. You start to open up space for you to put your energy on solutions. I always joke that the word, the question why is, I call it mental masturbation. It feels good, gets you nowhere. It makes you think that you're doing something. It's like, oh, I just got to figure out why. And we go into this puzzle-solving Sherlock Holmes mode of like, I just need to figure this out. And if I figure it out, then I will have this Oprah moment of, oh, and the angel will sing. And so we spend all our time asking why and focusing on the problem. And then realizing that even once we do get the answer, if we are even privy to that information, it still doesn't tell us how to change it or what it's come to teach us. So why not skip that part? I always joke. You want to know the answer to why? Blame your mother. There you go. Done. If it's not one thing, it's your mother. Now you know why. Everyone's happy. Let's move on. (laughs) So some key concepts to remember. Remember that your words are the way that we convey our internal world to ourselves and others. They are a map of your subjective experience. And so there's a lot of power in them. They're not just these arbitrary things. Your words are how you represent your intention to yourself and others. And since intention is 50% of the journey, your words have an incredible amount of power if we are using them correctly. Give yourself permission to notice how often these words creep into your life. Just to bring some awareness, because, and this is not about judgment, this is not about anything more than you can't change what you're not aware of. It's the first step of learning and change is to become aware of it. And we're often aware that we talk mean to ourselves, but we're not aware of how often. And we're often aware that we use the word try, the word but, oh my goodness, you will be shocked how often you say the word but in your daily life. And if every one of those times you are aware of it, and if 50% of those times you change it to and, you'll start to see some really neat stuff show up. It's a really powerful thing. And remember that whether you like it or not, whether you believe in it or not, and whether you agree with it or not, you are constantly hypnotizing yourself. And so if you're basically just making it up anyways, why not make it up better? Why hypnotize yourself to believe that you suck when you have no evidence to prove that that's true? When you can instead hypnotize yourself to believe that you are amazing and create the evidence to prove that that's true. And as always, I want to remind you to decide you want it more than you're afraid of it. Learning how to use your words to empower and heal your life is a big deal. And it's very common for this to bring up all sorts of feels. Just decide you want it more than you're afraid of it. 
And that's always the decision that will take you to the next step. And as always, I want to remind you that if you have any questions about anything from tonight or any other past episodes of the Podcaster Circle, please know you can always reach out to me through my website at www.livelifeunbroken.com or through email or through social media. Um, I have a question and I wonder if it's, is it a coincidence that, oh, I lost you, oh, that children, like, you know, toddlers or from, as soon as they can talk up to the age of, you know, four or whatever, they, every other word out of their mouth is why. And, you know, is, is that because their unconscious mind is so prevalent out there or? Usually it's more so kids between the ages of zero and seven are in what is known in psychology as the imprint years. And right. these are the years where the um, the part of the brain that is able to distinguish between reality and fantasy is present, but it's not solid yet. Kind of like a newborn skull. It's there, but it's squishy. Which is why kids don't really know the difference between real and imagined, and everything's kind of real for them. They have these wonderful imaginations. And then as they start to develop this higher thinking self, the logical mind thinky thinky self starts to kick online. And that's the part that wants to understand things. And understanding why is really helpful when you are understanding science experiments or why do I have to add my, why do I have to do dry ingredients and wet ingredients separately when I bake? Well, the answer to why is because there is a chemical reaction. So for learning, asking the question why helps us learn. But when we ask the question why about stupid things, like why am I sad? That's a stupid question. You're sad because you're human. <laughs> you're sad because you're human. And it doesn't matter why you're sad. Are you sad? Yeah, then you're sad. And even if you knew why you're sad, it wouldn't change the fact that you're sad. So we can spend all our time asking, why am I sad? Or we can ask, spend our time asking, how can I learn from this sadness? How can I shift so I don't have to stay in sadness? And so as kids, the question why is a really valuable one. And certainly when learning a new thing, why is important but everywhere else in our life outside of that arena pointless so that's why kids are so into why because they're in that stage where everything is a learning experience and they don't know any of that stuff and they're attempting to start to label their internal experience using their words and starting to make sense of it separate mm -hmm. from their imaginative self okay. that, that answer the question yeah yeah i thought it was something like that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome it's a cool question thank you Do you want to learn more about how you can continue your journey and experience my virtual healing circles in real time? If so, check out livelifeunbroken.com circle and join my free circle membership. Receive weekly reminders, bonus material and recaps, plus special offers as well as access to my weekly virtual healing circles. If you're ready to leave behind the fears and limitations of the ego and step into the spiritual life you've long known is waiting for you, you're invited to join me, Jen Fable, for a soul-nourishing journey into the exploration of you, the universe, and all space in between. Take control of your spiritual journey to attain a new level of understanding and connection to yourself and the people in your life. During our time in Circle Together, I will share with you all the tips and tricks you need to make playing with energy fun, easy, and most of all, effective. Together, we'll learn how to cultivate our inner compass to enable us to walk our path with grace and ease. We'll open the space with a candle meditation 
and after I will share with you my favorite grounding practices and lead you through a circle casting, guided meditation, and breath work, followed by a soul-inspiring gratitude practice. If your soul has been calling out to you and you're ready to tune in and listen, go to www.livelifeunbroken.com circle and register today for your Zoom access information. That's www.livelifeunbroken.com backslash circle, C-I-R-C-L-E. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.